As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We are back here, Mav Sports Take, episode 57, Unmuzzled Sports Talk, focusing on the business of sports. A lot of things you hear about and a lot that you also do not. Of course, we are live here on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Give this video a like, give it a share, give it a subscription, rate us if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. And again, a, 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 you know, just a nice little you know, couple couple sentences about how awesome we are would be fantastic. Of course, I'm Ryan Roberts here, Rising Drift on Twitter, joined by the great, the, the famous the best evaluator that has ever been has ever walked this face of the earth, of course. 18-year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, including three straight Arena League championships, and now DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports <laughs> expert, David Turner. David, how are you, my friend? Uh, it, it, you know what? You are hilarious with leading with that. I mean... It is not expert level at all. I got my ass handed to me this weekend in DFS. Uh, I did well with my parlay bets. I mean, sports books open here in Arizona, so now we can bet and do things. I did well. I picked. Uh, I was two out of my three uh, picks this weekend with parlays and everything, um, taking home some good money there. But when it came to my DFS, uh, I think I won fifteen dollars, and I, I had bet fifty-three dollars. So I definitely came out a loser on that end. I learned a lot, had some hard lessons. You know, obviously the one game parlay last week on Thursday night, I did well. Um, one game type thing, I did really, I did okay. You know, I was, I learned a little lesson there. But this weekend, wow, between our college, my college picks that I did, I did consult somebody else on this team about, but didn't we didn't do, we we did not do well on those, and then. Go to the Sunday game where I was feeling excited about some stuff. As soon as um, Molster got hurt for the Niners and the Jacksonville Jaguars decide not to run the ball, 
I mean, it was just a shit show for me on my end. Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go too hard on you, man, because you're fresh in the game of DFS. So I'll let you give, give you a pass here for a second. I got to tell the folks here about the show that we have for you today. We're going to have two fantastic guests on this week. We're deep in the college football season. So I wanted to bring on Teddy Gallagher, star linebacker for Coastal Carolina, 2019 and 2020, all Sunbelt linebacker, one of the leaders of this fantastic team and this fantastic defense that Coastal has. It just beat Kansas, who is not a good football team. But, hey, they've been, they're a Big 12 team, and the, as a Power 5 team, they have now lost to Coastal Carolina back-to-back years. So I want to bring on Teddy, of course. Everybody knows the great mullets, the, the blonde mullet that we're going to get on the set tonight. So we'll have him on in a few minutes. Also going to welcome Tony Rassiopi, who's a quarterback coach, does NFL prep work um, for Test Football Academy, also a high school coach here in New Jersey. He played his college ball at Rowan. Now he works with some fantastic players on the high school level, on the college level, of course, which we're going to talk about, including Anthony Brown, quarterback out of Oregon, Kenny Pickett, quarterback for Pittsburgh, and Spencer Petras, quarterback from Iowa, all had fantastic weeks this past week and had some incredible wins for their program. We're going to really tone in on that on Tony, as well as the art of just coaching the quarterback position. Obviously, it's the most in, intense and attentive coaching that you could possibly do, the most important position in all of sports. So we got coaching side. We got the player side. We got some great performance from this past week. Before we get heavy into that, though, would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching from them from an expert, for them from an expert? Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create strategies for their recruiting process. With limited scholarship given each year, having a a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure their opportunity to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, your film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting today. So, David, um, DFS obviously didn't treat you too well this week, but there's some hot topics, as as always is, man. College football is, like I said, we're in week now going into week three of college football. We're going to head into week two of NFL. Obviously, the big news that came out yesterday, recorded here on a Tuesday, 8.30 Eastern time, of course, is our starting point every single week because West Coast time does not exist. But oh, we slow. have. But speaking of West Coast, great segue. What a fantastic segue! USC, University of Southern California, lets go of their coach Clay Helton. Um, and David started telling me about his his great record as USC's head coach. Well, I'm here to tell you, Clay Helton was uh, holding on by a string there for the last few seasons, to say the least. Let go after just two football games following a loss here in Week Two. David, just the overall scope of this firing just opinions on it let's get the talking piece and because i know there's a lot of layers to this firing the the timing i think is the big thing that we want to hone in on here yeah i think you know two we look we're looking at week two it's not like they lost the holy cross here you know they lost the stanford a respectable program and you know they they that was some that was some yukon slander thrown in holy cross like that man that was yukon slander Well, I love UConn football. Don't get me wrong. UConn football, if you're listening, I will come right now. 
Make me your recruiting director. I love it up there. I think it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful place. I would come help that program out. I think it's an incredible opportunity. Whoever takes a UConn job really needs to understand the gem it is up there because it, it is a beautiful campus and you can dive into recruiting and really snatch some players up there. But that all being said, they did lose the Holy Cross and the guy was able to retain his job. Now he's a leaving legend up there. I mean, he's done some great things, so I understand why. But Coach again, Edsel, man, yay. Hey, Ray Edsel, the peak Coach of Edsel, UConn I've football. met him on many occasions. Him and I have had some great conversations. But at the end of the day, you lost the Holy Cross and you kept your job. Now, the, the, the SC coach loses to Stanford. I mean, Stanford's a reputable freaking program. And he loses his job after week one. Like, I don't get that at all, being quite frank. I just don't get it at all. And, um, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, cool. You're going to do that. But he's 46 and 24. Like, the guy hasn't been routed out of, like, games time and time again. He's been able to, like, last year it was rumored he was going to get fired. He worked himself back into the job. And, you know, here we go again. We're, we're, Two games in, and he loses to Stanford, and he's on he's on the street looking for work. It just doesn't make sense. I think there's another reason, whatever the reason is. There's rumors out there. A lot of them we can get into if you want, Ryan. But there's other rumors out there, like who's going to be coming into SE. And I just don't see as a business decision, businessmen making this kind of decision without there being a uh, a plan already in place. You know, well, David, what, what what type of what type of show is this? What's the first thing I said? We are a what a blank sports show. We are the business of sports show. We That's not the word I was looking for. I was looking for the word unmuzzled. Okay, yeah, so we're true, going true. unmuzzled here. I'm going to be honest, and I know this is going to you know you're going to cite your little record there to to rebuttal here. Clay Helen's been on the hot seat for multiple years, man. Like this is not an out of nowhere situation. Where Clay Helton, you know, oh, wow, Clay Helton's job security. And then he has a bad loss to Stanford, which, yes, is a reputable program for the most part. But they have been down also the last couple of years. They've not been the same Stanford that they were. Ladder of Andrew Luck going into David Shaw's tenure and, and through the bulk of the, the early to mid sections of David, David Shaw's tenure. So they lose. And I, I actually look worse. I, I actually look down upon USC on it. A little bit more than I do of Clay Helton because I I think that Clay Helton was this was inevitable it was going to happen he has lost too many big games with a lot of talent like I have combed this roster in the preseason for NFL talent and I'm here to tell you man draftable players at quarterback at least one at running back wide receiver they have at least one in this year's draft they have an offensive tackle that's a draftable player. Defensively, they have a safety. They have guys on all levels of the defense that are draftable football players, and yet they still are not very good. They are not. And I am very confused at why. I, I know you're saying, oh, they must have something in, in, in the plans. I am looking forward, and I'm going to keep an open mind as far as what that plan is. But going into a season where the leash was so short that you were like, hey, two games in, that's it. That is a – that's a, I don't want to say it's a mistake because I don't think that Clay Helton's the best man for the job long term, but I, I think that it, you don't have any foresight with the situation. Did, were you really 
comfortable. I feel like there was no comfort going into the season. I just, I honestly don't understand the timing. I don't understand what USC's long game was. Like, I don't get it. What's the aiming point here? Are they actually going to try to lure Urban Meyer away from Jacksonville? Like, I don't understand what the long game is here, David. I really don't for USC. Yeah, and again, the, that's the rumor that was going around that, um, you know, they're going to try to get Urban away from USC and – or I'm sorry, bring Urban to USC from Jacksonville because last year a lot of the rumor was that he wanted the Texas job until he was asking $10 million a year. And then Sark came in and was like, you know, I'll do it for six or whatever he got. And they had money still paid out to their former coach. So they're like, yeah, that helps us out. We'll do that instead. So then, right. you know, he went back to the call or the, you know, the uh, ranks of uh, the NFL. Which again, we already heard him make a uh, error saying that, you know, vaccine status mattered in cuts this year. And it's like, Urban, you can't say that. And I'm, you know, there's there's ru- there's rumors out of the there's rumors out of the um, uh, down there in uh, Jacksonville that he's not happy with the pro style. Uh, scheme of things. So you got to be I, a little careful I, with what I, I, th- I think coming. he's just mad that he can't scheme, if you know what I'm saying. But yeah. Well, again, we all agree that he's not. I, don't, I never thought he'd be a good pro coach. If you go back yeah. and listen to our, our uh, shows back then, I said he wasn't going to go there. He wants Texas. And again, I truly believe he still wants Texas. It was just a situation where he, he outpriced himself of the market. But by going to Jacksonville and earning 10 million like he got, and he got a long contract, it now sets the bar. If an SC wants to come get him, they have to buy him out of that contract as well as commit to the $10 million that he's looking for. So that all being said, it's like his bar got set high by going to Jacksonville, and people know that you know this is what the deal is. you got to go get him if you want him, and you got to pay the price to get him. So for me, I'm like, okay, I can see this happening because it was kind of like, uh, what was the Arkansas coach? The Suey boy. Uh, Petrino? Uh, uh, yeah, Petrino. Yeah. yeah, he went to Atlanta, couldn't handle the pro game. The players were making more money than him. He couldn't be the big big man on campus type thing. People yeah. weren't bowing down to him, so the ego was hurt. So now now what happens? You run back to college where, you know, you're our god, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what he's looking for. You remember, you remember when uh, Petrino left and he wrote them all like a note? Like he didn't even say bye to them in person. <laughs> he just wrote them a note, dude. Dude, like, I definitely remember that day because I was working at the Raiders. And when that rumor hit, I mean, there were people in our office just like, what the F? They could not, they could not figure that out at all. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can claim to be a leader of men and then leave them with just a note and not at least face them. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, but we want to move on. And we're talking about a lot of job security. Tell you who does have a lot of job security, David, Mr. Jamie Chadwell, the head coach for coastal Carolina. Want to bring on one of his football players, Mr. Teddy Gallagher now joins the show. Of course, two time, all conference linebacker, heart and soul of this fantastic coastal Carolina defense teddy how you doing man appreciate you hopping on i'm good how are you oh great man we really appreciate you hopping on um a lot of fun things we want to talk to you about and obviously a lot of what you guys have just been doing over the last couple years so people if they want to go back even before the magical 2020 season you were a stalwart on that defense you have been a very productive football player over the last few years but i want to take us to that 2020 campaign of course the undefeated regular season 
upset over BYU in the kind of that makeshift real quick turnaround game. Fantastic season with a lot of now NFL prospects. We saw Teron Jackson and CJ Marable kind of move to the NFL last year. We had a lot more guys coming this year. Take us through, Teddy, going through the 2020 season specifically, navigating the madness and having the greatest season in Coastal Carolina history. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of fun last season was. And, you know, this season's also been really fun so far. And it was just uh, – it all came to just, like, the guys believing on the team because, like, we had we had the we had the pieces in 2019. I think we had some key injuries and we lost a lot of really close games. And so in 2019 we were five and seven, but we felt like we were a lot better than what our record showed. And then we knew like we had to, we had to, we had to fix the little things in the off season. You know that's what we did. We we harped on all the details and you know we watched it. You know come to fruition in the 2020 season and you know game after game after game after game like you know we felt like, you know, the targets growing on our backs and like, you know, people still not believing in us. And it went all the way through, you know, the end of the season. And then, you know, now they're saying we were one, one year fluke and stuff like that. So like, we still hear it today, but I mean, it was just, it's, it's a lot of fun to go through adversity with people you love and that, you know, that's what we did last season. That's what we're doing this season too. And Teddy, can you talk to me a little bit about the, just the perspective of working through, you know, going back to, not this past spring, the one before going into the fall where like, hey, COVID-19, are we going to have a season? What's the schedule going to look like? When you kind of throw that layer into it, not only just, you know, obviously the magical season, but also kind of navigating COVID-19 and and just on a weekly basis and protocols, how special is it when you really kind of just take a step back and consider all the things you guys had to go through outside of, you know, the 2019 with injuries and trying to prove people wrong, also navigating a global pandemic. It was just, I know, a, a crazy story to say the least. Yeah. I mean, during going through summer workouts before the 2020 season, we had no idea if we were going to play or not. Like we were working out every day, practicing every day and had no idea if we were going to play a season. Like we made that video, like a lot of teams did, like that we want to play video. Like we made that and, you know, we were just it, it, it kind of made us grateful every every day to practice and every day to every week to play a football game because you know like we just realized like how how fast it can be taken away from us and you know it was definitely nerve wracking every week you know the um the way uh the way like every week when we had testing we like you know you had no idea what was going to happen with that you know but we did we did a really good job with uh with you know keeping keeping our little bubble and you know we did we 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 until until the very end of the season we did very well with uh with like the covid testing and stuff like that now now that we're back into like a more normal flow in 2021 right what was the what what's it been like around campus around other students the program other sports you know coming into the building tell us like what's how's the normalization happened there in coastal carolina on campus yeah, you know, I, I would say definitely we have more <clears throat> we have more support this year for the football team, obviously, than we we had in years past, you know, when we were like five and seven or stuff like that. And, you know, it's been great to you know, we've had we've had pretty good crowds at our first two games and you know, we're expecting we go we go up to Buffalo this weekend. They say it might be a sellout up there and you know, that's always awesome to play in front of fans and stuff like that. But, you know, on campus and stuff like that, we definitely uh like like see see the support more than in years past and you know that's been been really cool now when you say more more support than years past like i mean seriously you guys had a magical season i mean you beat byu we say that a lot but you know you just it was i think you have even a clothing line talking about 
mullets versus uh, Mormons and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it was a rallying point, that win, that victory for the program. And now you've beat Kansas two years in a row, right? Two times in a row. A big, you know, Kansas is not the most dominant, you know, team. But, again, it's a big, bigger, what's seen as a bigger competition, bigger level of competition team. And you guys got momentum. You guys got a lot of savvy going. Like, talk about how the community is, is embracing yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of started – it just kind of started towards the end of the year last year, um, like when we had, had our had our run, and you know, people called us like America's team and stuff like that. And, you know, we – it was like we had limited capacity at the BYU game. It was like 5,000. But I think it ended up getting to like eight or nine with like people sneaking in, like jumping fences and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and you know, that was a really fun environment. But, you know, the community itself, like, like we – like when more so than ever, like driving by and, you know, they have those little – like caution signs on the road, they'll say like go shots and like, like, like all the stores, like some of the stores, like around, around campus, they'll say like, like, you know, game this weekend and say like who we're playing and stuff like that, like their little billboards and stuff like that. And, you know, it's been really cool to see. Yeah, Teddy, I, I really am jealous, man, because every time I talk to a coastal guy, they always, you know, I always ask them about the campus, and they just start talking about Myrtle Beach and all the cool things you guys <laughs> got going down down there. So I really want to get down there. I really wanted to talk to you a little bit because David mentions already, you know, I, I, I noticed I, I looked into your online store where you had, you know, um, you know, the shirts obviously with the mullet and everything like that. You got, you got kind of your brand working, which is obviously part of the name image likeness movements that we were seeing, the opportunities that are presented. So can you just – uh, comment on if you can uh, just the 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 changing landscape. How important it is for college athletes to be have the ability to you know brand themselves and have the ability to sell their brand. And how have you taken personally advantage of some of those opportunities with NIL? Yeah, you know, um, it, I think it's important in in two different ways. Like one, uh, players should be able to use their you know image and likeness to you know in ways that other people have profited off of them, they should be able to profit off, them, off themselves. But it's also important to, you know, not make a whole lot of things about yourself. Like you're still a member of the team and, you know, you know, no one, no one's in the NFL yet and playing college football. So, you know, it's kind of, you, you, you got to be for the team and, you know, we've kind of made a focus on, you know, we've, a lot of guys on the team have done like NIL deals, but like we, we're still before anything, I'm a coastal Carolina football player. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not putting Teddy Gallagher above Coastal Carolina football. And so, you know, with the shirts and stuff, it was like, you know, people made shirts like last year that had pictures of my face on them. And then I had to go in the store and buy those shirts with like money. And like I, I couldn't even get the shirts for free. And they're making money off of using my face on a, on a shirt. And so like it's, it's nice to be able to like see a little bit of that and, you know, be able to like have input on stuff like that and. You know, but other than that, I mean, you know, your play on the field dictates that. And, you know, if you don't perform on the field, you know, you're not going to get any NIL, deal, NIL deals. And, you know, football is way more important than NIL to me. And it's got it, to be cool, though, man, walking into the store and seeing your face, though. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty cool. But when I, when, I, when I had to spend, like, 25 bucks on a shirt with my face on, I was kind of, come on. I'm sure your mom would have made one for you for free. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, moms are good for that kind of thing. But, you know, Ryan and I, you don't want to see our – we have faces for radio even though they let us do video. Uh, they don't want to see our faces on anything. Now, you know, what are the expectations for the team this year um, going forward as far as, you know, 
uh, bowl games, uh, championships. Like, what's what's the goals? What are the, what are you saying? You talk about being a Coastal Carolina player, and that comes first. So, what are the goals for the team? And then take us to the goals for for you. I would say the my my biggest goal for the season is to win another Sun Belt championship. Um, that's the number one goal on my mind, and I think on our team. Well, our team is we we we're trying to win every week. We're trying to go one and zero every week and get better every week. But, you know, the overarching goal that I had before the season that I wrote down was win a Sunbelt championship. And that's, you know, that's the most important thing. You know, I don't really care too much about, you know, I think I think <laughs> I think my dad cares more about when, you know, ESPN jobs me out of uh, out of a couple of tackles. He's like, you had 11. They only gave you eight. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, we, we won the football game. And, you know, that's I'm, I'm just trying to win every week. And, you know, definitely the biggest goal is to win a Sunbelt championship. I love it. And Teddy, the last kind of question we really want to throw at you, we really appreciate all the time that you've been able to give us, is I want to talk about that senior class. I've had the privilege of talking to a bunch of them from DeJordan Strong and C.J. Brewer and, and uh, Jeffrey Gunter and you know, Isaiah Likely. Silas Kelly, I know who you mentioned, you know, the injury obviously in 2019, obviously has been a big football player for your team. Talk to me a little bit about this senior class, how special it is, and ultimately the legacy that this class is going to leave for Coastal moving forward. Yeah, you know, I love every single one of those guys. You know, I've I've been here since twenty. I've been at Coastal since twenty eighteen. Been here for four years, but those guys have been here since like twenty sixteen. And and you know, they when I when I first got here, they were already the leaders on the team. Those guys were, and you know, it's mm -hmm. been it's been three or four years since then. And and you know, I just have seen all of them grow, like on the field and off the field. And you know, it's it's definitely a special team when a, a lot of times the coaches don't have to correct mistakes, like off the field mistakes, and you know, guys not doing the right things and they're they're um you know it's everything's led on the field and you know I'm a leader on the team we have a bunch of good leaders on the team and you know it's definitely been special and you know all of them are obviously great players and you know I just have loved every second I've been here and I love all those guys to death well really quick one thing if you if you guys need any help with NIL stuff or you want any help as a team just let us know here at Mavericks because, you know, something we are offering athletes to help them and their organizations or teams, their teammates, you know, we can have that conversation off air um, and see if we can help the whole organization, the whole uh, campus, you know, take, take home a few dollars in their pocket for the success and the legacy you guys are leaving behind. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, Teddy, I want to give you a second, man. I really appreciate the time. Again, if there's any social media handles or you want to shout out the, the store, obviously, to, to get some merchandise, like whatever you want, what would you like to leave the listeners with? Go Shots. Tune in. ESPN 2, noon, Saturday. Let's go. Love it, man. <laughs> I love Thanks, it. Teddy. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Good talk luck this you. weekend. Thank you. All right, man. We got Teddy Gallagher. I didn't even ask about the mullet, man. I forgot to ask. Dude, I'm so I'm so glad you didn't, because I got hair envy <laughs> with that guy. Like it's flowing out the back of his helmet. He's looking like old school Brian Bosworth. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, and then here I am with my shaved head, old man beard, and you know this guy's got young man game all over. So I was kind of happy we didn't talk about him real. And he was in a dark car, wherever he was, because I was in picture. I was in picture and seeing this flowing hair, this Fabio Mole, all oh, night with this interview, and I didn't have to sit through that. That was a good thing. You're lucky he didn't have like the circle light right around his head to just illuminate it. Just illuminate it and have a fan blowing where it was just stunning. It was just stunning and flowing. I would have just been like, you know what? You guys go ahead. I'm going to walk over here for this interview. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>
Right, right. Well, we have another interview that we have to get to, so please don't leave yet, Mr. David Turner. Before we do, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No? What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access to companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off their own likeness while going to college. If it's simple that you don't have access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. An athlete's earning potential is, is unlimited. While, why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help all our clients achieve their goals. Just contact at Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. All right, David, so we have one more fantastic interview. A guy that I actually reached out to, I think, like a year ago to try to get an interview with. We weren't able to obviously connect, but we got Tony Rassiope coming on with us now. Renowned quarterback coach, NFL prep, works uh, with the Test Football Academy, also a high school football coach, former Rowan alum as well, which I am also a Rowan alum, so shout out to Rowan University. Tony, appreciate you coming on, man. How's it going? thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, David. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, yeah, we man. won't hold that Rowan connection against you at all. <laughs> hey, all, all I'll say, man, is I was looking up Tony earlier today, and I saw all the the great, wonderful records that he has still for Rowan University. I think it was like seven touchdowns in one day, one game. Tony, yeah, is that right? Yeah, there were some good days back then. So, um, I always tell people, like when I when I played, it was just right when the spread offense kind of came out, and no one knew how to defend it. So, um, <laughs> had some pretty good guys around me, and uh, obviously at that time, you know. Offenses practiced no huddle, defenses didn't, so it was a lot easier back then. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing how much the game's obviously evolved, as we all know. Yeah, absolutely. I know we want to talk a, a little bit about the evolution, specifically of the quarterback position. I want to start you out though. Talked obviously about your you know your your career a little bit um, at Rowan. I know you played a little professionally. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into the coaching side of everything and how specifically private coaching for quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so, so when I finished playing, didn't really know what I want to do, you know, from the time I was, I was little, I really wanted to be a college or an NFL coach. Mm -hmm. Um, so I finished playing, I jumped on uh, Temple University staff with Al Golden as a GA on his offensive staff. George DeLeon was the office coordinator. And uh, after about four or five months, I found out what, um, being a GA at division one level is all about. So, uh, (laughs) so, you know, a lot of my, um, mentors, my life and people that were close to me were, were my teachers and coaches, you know, um. I grew up in, in Ocean Township in Red Bank down in Monmouth County, you know, so I was a beach kid. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys were, you know, teachers and coaches during the year and they worked at the beaches in the summer and everybody just seemed really happy, you know, for the most part. So, uh, so I left and I, I really was, was a high school coach, you know, for a while, um, teaching phys ed. I was your football, basketball, baseball guy. I played all three in high school and, uh, really never did the training stuff per se for a while. Um, I probably taught, I don't know, 10 years just in coaching those three kind of going all in with, with the time you put into those three. And then really once I, um, I came up to Franklin High School, which is up by Rutgers, mm-hmm. and uh, I was teaching there and, and uh, kind of started doing some stuff on Sundays with a guy that ran kind of like an academy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had, I don't know, eight to ten quarterbacks a Sunday, and I really just fell in love with it. And it got to the point where people just started asking me, hey, can you work with my kid? Can you work with my kid? And then, you know, obviously, as you know, like, you know, I, I grew up in the state, and I, I grew up in Monmouth County, and I played in South Jersey. I lived in North Jersey, so – there's a lot of high school coaches that I know, you know, so yep. turning into like, Hey, do you think I you can coach my kid in the off season? Cause obviously in New Jersey, you can't coach the kids year round. 
So that's how it kind of started, you know. And, it looked uh, like Stallone in four, you know, <laughs> coaching them going through the snow. Okay, yes. you got to take a tighter drop, tighter yes. drop. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, well, in Jersey, we're going to have that at times, right? So that's what uh, I'm saying. Down here, down here in Arizona, you could go yeah. year round. You're fine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely a different, a different animal out here, Dave. Trust me. So, um, you know, uh, but that's you know that's how it kind of started things, you know. So it kind of started on like those Sundays doing that kind of stuff. It was kind of funny, Anthony Brown. Morgan was in that original group that I kind of had. I had him, I had Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I had some really good kids in this group. And then it kind of evolved to doing really not just high school kids. I started doing actually the NFL draft stuff first because that was only the time I had four. I only had like six or seven high school kids I'd worked with in a year. And then I was kind of doing the draft stuff. And then it got to the point where you had so many high school kids that wanted to come. And then all of a sudden, those kids turned into college kids. Yeah. You know, so they would come home in their, their pockets that you have them, you know, whether it was, you know, um, after the season in the winter and January, and then you have them like, you know, before spring practice, like a tune up and then, you know, summertime when they have a little break, you know, so you had them three or four times per year, which I loved. Um, and that was, you know, the fun thing for me is that, you know, it's such a different, like you have high school kids, you're, you're, you know, teaching the, the foundation, right. You're, you're developing that. And then you have the college guys in that kind of world. It's kind of weird because you're not really you're not they're not your quarterbacks, right? They're someone else's quarterbacks. You're just trying to kind of help out, navigate. But you know they might play for a guy that has 180 from a philosophy standpoint as you. You kind of have to live in their world because they don't play for me. Right. You know, it's my job to get them ready for him. You know. And then the NFL world's kind of you know it's it's really focusing on you, which is a lot of fun. Like you know for me the draft stuff is awesome because I get these really good players for six to eight to ten weeks and I can make them my quarterbacks. You know and they're around me. All week, you know, so so that's kind of I, you know, I kind of jumped into it. You know, I interned three times in the NFL, twice with the Jaguars on their offensive staff when Gus Bradley was there, and then um, uh, a couple years ago with the Arizona Cardinals as well. Um, you know, uh, Carson Palmer's last year as quarterback. So, you know, it was kind of great for me because I could go in and kind of just sit there and just be a sponge and take notes and kind of see what those guys are teaching their quarterbacks, and I could take it back and obviously get guys ready to go to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I. I, I I hope you're not. Uh, I hope you're not doing the three, the three, uh, the three season sports anymore. Because I, I did that for a little while, man. I went from football right into winter track, right into outdoor track, and it was a grind for a couple still of years. It, right? still, still do it on top of all the wow. stuff. Wow! So uh, I switched over to track in the winter and the spring. Okay. So from a time standpoint, that's it's it's helped me because again, I couldn't do basketball and baseball anymore with the time, especially the training stuff. But, uh, yeah, I still coach in the fall at the Hunt School in Princeton. Um, you know, we're one of the top prep schools in the country. We've had 67 Division One kids in eight years. So it's uh, we're churning them out pretty good here. So, uh, you know, so it's, that, that keeps me busy in the fall, and that kind of gets your comp competitive juices going. I, I don't know if I could train year-round like some guys do. I, I love coaching, too. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I, I want to talk to you about the coaching, especially this quarterback position, because I'm an old school. I might look young and, and handsome, but I'm not. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm old school. I came in, I started, I started in the NFL in 2002, right? right where quarterbacks were pocket passers. They yes. were big. They were, you know, not mobile. This spread crap hadn't taken over the world yet. Right. Right. So talk to me about playing quarterback, coaching quarterback, and the transition that it, this position is morphing into in your eyes. Like I'm a scout, you're a coach. Yes. So I think it'd be really cool to hear from a coach how the, one of the main, you know, besides a pitcher in baseball, this is it, right? The quarterback's the spot. Yes. Um, how that's changed, a little history lesson, but then also where you see it going 
because there's a lot of different, like you alluded to, there's different spreads, there's different yes. coaching, there's different systems inside the spread now. You know, it used yes. to be one thing. Now it's like conglomerate of a whole bunch of stuff. I'll, uh, great question. And I'll lead with this. So I, I work the Manning camp every summer, right? So I'm one of the main guys there. So there's four, there's about four guys they let work with the college kids um, on the field in between the high school sessions, you know, because those guys are there really to coach the high school kids. And um, the cool thing about it was, I would say about 10 years ago, everybody was, like you said, David, everybody was 6'3 to 6'6, six, six, you know, 215 to 235. Oh, yeah, you're talking about language. Strong, let's go. Yes. Seven step drop, right. Comebacks, digs. <laughs> you know, Hitch, let's go. Up. Yes, you know, like the big boy throws. Um, and then now, you know, I, I would say not so much, I mean, this year, yeah, but maybe about two years ago, we didn't have it last year, but the year because of COVID, but the year before, I would say, honestly, three quarters of the guys were like six foot, six one, mm-hmm. you know, maybe five eleven, some of them, you know, and you're sitting there going like, oh, that's, that's star quarterback at so-and-so school. You know, like when I was growing up, that guy was six four, two twenty at that school, you know, the yeah. Notre Dames and the, you know, the, the Penn States and all those schools that we all know, um, you know, so it was kind of cool to see the, the evolution of the position, um, you know, it's, it's almost kind of turned into really because it's spread. You're kind of a shortstop now, right? Shortstop slash point guard. You know, get the ball to your hands quickly, make quick decisions, be accurate with the football, quick feet, arm angles. You know, like all the stuff you're starting to see. It's kind of, it's kind of cross trained. You know, and and um, you know, like, and I think the coaching's gotten better. You know, like, you know, when I played, there wasn't guys like me back then. You know, I just mm-hmm. went out in the backyard and had a catch. You know, like, and if I threw yeah. it low, I try to figure out a way to get it up. You know, like. <laughs> Now it's, you know, you have kids that, you know, I have, you know, fourth, fifth grade parents reach out to me. I'm like, not yet. You know, <laughs> we're going you know they're, they're getting a foundation at, the, at an early age that, you know, we just didn't have back then, you know. And uh, I think seeing the evolution of, of, A, the passing game, you know, be the fact, I mean, it's pretty neat to say that. You know, I mean, I'm a 6'1 guy, you know, and in 1997 you know, when I was coming out of high school, you know, I got knocked for that. You know, right now I'd be golden. Right. So I yeah, think, you know, you'd be a high recruit right yeah, now. Yeah, it's you know it's neat to see. You know, it's it's the way it should be. If you're a really good player, you know they're going to find and fit you in a system that that makes you successful. You know, it's it's almost like you know back then you almost felt like okay, here's our system, and we're just gonna we need a guy to fit that. Or nowadays it's kind of like okay, what does this guy do well? Let's build around that. You know, and I think the really good coaches do that, right? They kind of morph their systems into what guys can do well. Well, I think we saw a great example of that just this weekend. We'll see if it keeps up. But with Jameis Winston and Sean, right? Sean adapted a lot of the vertical pass game that Jameis can do into his system, where with Drew, it was crossing routes all day long. Yeah, true West Coast and underneath stuff. And yeah, exactly. And yeah, I I agree 100%. You know, so it's it's neat to see guys get opportunities, one and two. Like like I said, the best coaches can kind of morph and, and kind of slide their system around to, you know, Get guys to be successful. I mean, that's what good coaches do at the end of the day, right? So it's anybody can get a stud and just run it with them. You know, you, you look at some of the best guys who've had a five ten guy, and they can have a six four guy in there and be successful at both. Yeah. Well, Tony, I know we wanted to really hone in on three different guys that obviously had big weekends this past weekend. And it's funny, I didn't even consider it until you started talking about, you know, the size differences. We got guys that are completely different sizes, different, completely different styles here. Right. I wanted to start out. With Spencer Petrus, who we talked, you talked a little bit about, you know, your traditional, he's 6'5", he's 225, 230 plus pounds. He's a big kid. Obviously, they're fresh off 27-17 victory 
over Iowa, number nine team in the country. They're a top 10 team now. They were number 10 heading into the game. I didn't see what the right. recent AP poll was, but obviously the Hawkeyes look very good through the first couple games. Can you just take us through a little bit? Because I know Petrus started last year in 2020. It was obviously yep. an abbreviated season. We didn't see a ton of them. Right. And now we're going to see him on a full scope. What type of player is this Spencer Petrus? Um, you know, I think the world of him. You know, I got to work with him for two long breaks out here. Um, obviously met him through Nate Stanley, who I had for the draft you know, the year before. So um, kind of always kind of talked to Spencer and kind of through that that 2020 season, we kind of just stayed in touch. And then uh, he just said, listen, I, you know, I, I'm missing throws and I'm really frustrated that I'm missing throws. I don't know why I'm missing them. And, um, you know, I think you gave Nate those answers when he came out to see you. And I want to know those answers. Like, I, I don't understand why I'm missing certain things I shouldn't miss. So that's, how it, that's how it kind of started. So we came out, we spent a good nine days out here in Jersey. And um, I give the kid credit. I mean, he's a San Francisco kid. He could be out in Northern California sitting on a beach somewhere and drinking a good bottle of wine. And uh, instead he comes <laughs> here. And, and uh, you know, not that not Jersey's a bad state, but, um, you know, I, I'd rather be in San Francisco if I was him. But. You know, he came out here and he, he, we grinded, you know, like it, it was, he was very open to being coaching and we were out there for an hour and a half, two hours a day and kind of go, listen, you do this really well and you need to work on this or else, you know, this is what's going to hold you back fundamentally. And um, he was open to it. And I think he saw right away. Sometimes, sometimes when you work with guys, you have to earn their trust first, right? You can't jump on them because they're, they're good players at that level. They right? wouldn't be sure. there, you know? So it's first, it's about earning their trust. Um, and just kind of going, listen, try this. You know, like you're doing this, just try this. And then once they kind of see success in that, they're going, oh, wow, something's here. I didn't even, I never learned this. You know, and I think that's how it kind of worked with him is, is you know, just keeping him more balanced. He was more of a baseball pitcher, like with weight transfer and like loading on his back leg going forward. So he was kind of a high, low, misser kind of guy. So just kind of keeping him balanced through the throw was, I mean, like night and day. I mean, he could throw the crap out of the football. I know. Um, He's a smart kid, um, big personality, big, vibrant personality. You know, you definitely could tell he's he's kind of the ringleader in the locker room, you know. Um, it was a, it was, he's a very smart kid. I mean, you know, I talked to him. He sounds like an NFL guy. He's, you know, and I, and I think they do a great job at Iowa developing quarterbacks there from a pro-style standpoint, right? He understands protections. He can repoint the mic, and he understands coverages, and he can go run the pass, pass the run checks, and get an in and out of plays and cannon plays and, so he, he gets to do all that stuff, which is great for him, obviously, for the next level. But um, you know, big-time arm, which you got to be in that weather, right? You know, you're going to play in some bad weather, uh, as we all know, you know, halfway through that season on. So, uh, you know, tough kid. You know, the thing about Spencer is is that he had no spring practice, right? Yeah. Because things got shut down. I think he had one practice. So no spring practice. You know, call training camp what it was for those kids, right? So, you know, not really from a developmental standpoint. Couldn't work with – Anybody in the offseason for the most part. And then he just jumped in. He played okay for the first two games. They lost both of them to start the season. And then he went on a six-game run and won. Um, and he played better every game. You know, and you kind of saw him develop and get comfortable in the pocket. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times, like like most guys, early on when they get in, they're kind, they're kind of jittery and their feet are kind of flying around. And, you know, they look downfield and if one's covered, they just kind of – their eyes drop down to the rush and they kind of just try to sneak through and get some yards where, you know, game one is completely different than game seven and eight. You know, his eyes are downfield and he's sliding the pocket and he's making throws. He's getting hit the chin and bouncing back up and smiling and all the stuff the good, the good guys to do. So, you know, I, I think the world of them, to answer your question, Ryan. Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, physically, sky's the limit. Like you said, he's six five and a half. He's 235, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he just he wants to be great. Like he has that in him. Like, you know, the ones I've been around that have been really good, you know, he just 
it's an obsession. You know, it's um, there's, it's a true love and obsession where it's kind of like on a Friday night at seven o'clock, you'd rather be on the field throwing routes and working drills, and and you're good doing it. Like you love the fact that you're there. Well, I think it's a great point, too, is when you talk about, you know, everything's shut down and you're trying to figure it out kind of on your own a little bit. I remember I was talking to a bunch of guys going into the season and, you know, for like a lot of linemen, like defensive linemen, offensive linemen, they're talking about like their makeshift gyms and all that type of stuff. For yeah. a quarterback, yeah. like we're talking about the mental side, we're talking about the technical side, like lifting weights isn't only going to go so far with a quarterback, right. you know, right. and I think that that it was – I think of it for the 2022 class, which a lot of people are already talking about the quarterback class. They're like, it's underdeveloped. Well, yes, of course it is. They missed the whole season, basically, yes. right? Yes. So exactly. great point. I, I love the point so much. I think it was fantastic, Tony. One thing I want to ask, I, I know you talked about the technical side. So being a baseball pitcher, I think you may have mentioned something about it. So is he overstriding a little too much? Is it kind of like that some of the core issue? Uh. You know, it was a combination of two things. On yeah. on plant throws, mm-hmm. a lot of times he would miss low because he would load his weight on his back leg, and then when he would step, he would weight transfer to his front leg, get gotcha. over his front leg, fall low. Now when he when he had a hitch or climbed a pocket, like like most guys do, their back foot gets too far under their body, which mm-hmm. kicks their front leg out. There's your overstride. Yeah, you sail the ball usually like second level throws. You know your curls, your digs, your your comebacks. Those that like you know. 12 the 22 yard window range there you know your digs you know so you know just really fixing those two things i mean you saw a huge jump in his accuracy and the cool thing is is that you know the good ones that i have you know when they're here it's great right you fix them up they feel great you know they leave here and then you know they do it on their own because at the end of the day i'm not there anymore you know, and, you know, the reality of college coaching nowadays is those guys can't work with them in the offseason. And in the season, you know, in Indy in practice, you're, you know, seven to ten minutes. You're not going crazy with fundamental drills. You're just kind of getting guys loosened up. You know, mm-hmm. and also two-minute offense or you're, you know, you're putting stuff in. You're, you know, you're walking through a new play that week, you know. So it's you have to really coach yourself, to tell you the truth, from a fundamental standpoint. So a lot of times when guys leave here, I try to almost go, okay, here's, you know, here's the formula, right? You do this really well. You need to stay on top of, you know, A through whatever with a guy. And they have to do it on their own, you know, and the good ones do. And, uh, and I know he's worked on it. And a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll video themselves and send it back to me so I can kind of look at it. And, and um, you know, it's the offseason. So, hey, be honest. Like, if you're not doing it well, if you're not throwing well, tell me. It's not, you know, I'm not your, I'm not your head coach. I'm not going to bench you. You know, like, yeah. let me know. You know, like, let's figure something out here. You know, because when it's when it's go time, it's go time. You know, it's not, you're not, when the game starts, you know, on third and 10 against Ohio State, you're not thinking about your front shoulder or your weight transfer. You know, like, it's, right. you know, it's the muscle memory stuff. It has to be done now. Do you find that one of the biggest things you're correcting with these young quarterbacks are or is the foot the footwork? Oh, huge! Yeah, you know, like I've always said, there, there's four things that I can fix on a guy usually right away. It's usually how, just how they throw the ball from from a base from a, from a you know standing still standpoint. The second thing is how they get balanced, kind of at the top of their drops, whatever system they're in. You know how they get control of their body. The third thing is how they throw through their non-dominant side. You know, righty thrown to the left, lefty thrown to the right. And then the fourth thing is just how they, they hitch or they reset in the pocket. You know, they're, they're reading covers, they reset their feet, and they're throwing the ball, you know, to a second, third level kind of throw. You know, so usually within those four things, I can really show guys. Because, you know, the thing that, about the position is in the coaching has really evolved. And it's gotten so much better with the details of the position. Like, so 
it's funny because like you know when you coach you just teach stuff you do right i mean that's that's what we all do right you just yeah what you were taught in high school or college you just okay that's that's all i know and i think when you become a really good coach you kind of take a step back and go okay what's the why behind all this right am i am i just saying this because my high school coach told me this and my college coach told me this and it sounds good and then you know when i got really good at this stuff is is when i kind of took a step back and went okay like what on the stuff i'm telling a guy to do does that make sense you know and sometimes you know like if you know, so again, for instance, like, you know, for the time, I don't know, I, I learned how to throw. It was always, you're like a baseball pitcher, right? It was always load on your back leg and drive, drive to a throw. And you're sitting there going like, why am I always throwing the ball low? You know, like, and then you take a step back and, and you go, okay, well, it's, there's a better way of doing this. You know, and, uh, what, what's what's a more efficient way to teach guys to be consistent? You know, so yeah, to answer your question, David, you know, like footwork's huge. I mean, it's the problem that you run into sometimes is that, you might have a kid who plays for a guy who's been around a long time and they've done it a certain way and they've just been lucky to have some really good players in their career from a resume standpoint and they kind of rely on the fact that they have really good players. And uh, Oh, yeah, I know those. I've worked you know, with some yeah, of those guys. You know, so, uh, and that's, you know, like it's, it's tough for guys like me because you got to respect their coach because that's their coach. And obviously you want to work with them, you know, in the future. You don't want to be a one-time thing. Sure. And, uh, you know, you just you have to be respectful, but at the same time it's like, uh, that's your reason you're missing is because kind of what you're being told to do. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. So I, I live in that world. I've been there. I know that as a scout, one of the, my biggest pet peeves for every position is footwork. And I, I'm with you. They don't have enough time in college or even in high school rules these days right. to work on the fundamentals, which causes a lot of these kids to miss. Yes. And that's why the, the, the independent developmental coaches like yourself that can come sure. in and correct that fundamental stuff like you, you know, everything you described. If a if a good coach had the extra time with them that could do it and work with them, you know, you might be out of a job. But the, the, right. there's yeah. there's so many rules now that yes. in the pros, college, and even high school, you can't coach these kids. It creates that gap for you to come in and fix them. And you know, I want to move on, obviously, to uh, one of your other quarterbacks here, pick quarterback Kenny Pickett. You know. He's gotten a lot of notoriety over the last couple seasons. You know, they're coming off a victory over Tennessee, 41 to 34. And this past weekend, including a 285 yard passing and three total touchdowns, right? I mean, what's your favorite attributes about what that what that he possesses and how much has he improved? You know, you've really seen him up close and personal. So to answer your question, you know, I there's not enough attributes that I can give him. Like he's you know, like I, I you know, I, I've told scouts and I've told, you know, uh, agents that reach out to me about him. I mean, there's no reason he can't be QB one through three in this draft. Like, that's how good he is. Um, he's gotten better every year. He was a kid. So just so you know, a little background behind us. His mom actually was my next door neighbor growing up. Oh, wow. I've known, yeah. I mean, that's how long I've known his family. You know, so like I started working with, with him when he was like, I don't know, seven years old. You know, something like that. You know, we were doing like like fitness. Oh, so he was one of the fourth and fifth graders you took on. He was, yeah, <laughs> you know, like way back when. Um, and I didn't see him in high school because I was coaching. You know, gotcha. I know it followed him, but didn't didn't work with him all. And then we we got back together when he got the pit. And then we've been, you know, as many times as we humanly can throughout his entire career at Pittsburgh. You know, and it's amazing to see Kenny was like five foot seven when he was in high school, like his freshman sophomore year. He was like this little shrimp that had a rocket over an arm. And he, he still got me beat kid. by three inches at five seven. Yeah, like he just he just but he just became like every year he got a 
like an inch or two tall, or he put 10 pounds on, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, his senior year, he became this like, you know, six, one and a half, six, two, 200 pound, 205 quarterback, you know, wasn't really a highly recruited kid. Everybody, everybody liked him, but he wasn't everybody's top choice. You know, he was close with like Wisconsin. He was close with a couple big programs, but he, again, he was like that second, third guy on the list. And, you know, the first or second guy committed, you know, so that's how he kind of even ended up at Pitt, you know, and, um, you know, so it's, it's been neat to see the transition from him going there and just kind of being a really good athlete, you know, and, and with a really strong arm. And he's just turned himself into an, an amazing quarterback. You know, he has, you know, physical attributes, right? He has the arm talent. He can anticipate throws. Um, he throws with accuracy, which is accuracy. He's gotten better through his career. Again, he was a baseball kid, so really his, his accuracy dipped if it did just because he was a big overstrider. So really got more balance and get that short front stride down and more of a turn throw than, in, than a drive throw with his hips. Um, you know, be more consistent with that. So I think you've seen his accuracy take off over the years. You know, and he's, you know, he's 6'3", and he's 222 right now. You know, um, he's going to run low 4.6s to four, high 4.58s. Four, you know, he's going to be in that range in the 40. I mean, he's that good of an athlete. He's going to jump in the upper 30s vertical jump-wise. You know, so he's going to, his film's going to be great. Uh, you know, he's going to throw it really well. He's going to test really well. You know, he's combine pro day kind of stuff. Uh, you're going to sit with him and fall in love with him in, in, in interviews. You know, again, he's, he's been lucky that Mark Whipple is coming in, has been his offense coordinator. And, and again, they're true, you know, pro-style offense, you know, two and three jet protection and, Everything mm-hmm. those NFL offense run, they use those words with those concepts, um, offensively and defensively. So, you know, a lot of times like, we'll talk, and he's like, yeah, so we call it. You know, you know, as we're talking ball, and I'm like, well, that's good, because I've had some guys who were three-year starters at big-time Corgans that didn't know who the Will linebacker was, you know, like because they didn't have to. Hey, you know? you know what threw me for a loop? The first time I got, I got this – we got a quarterback in one time that had never called a play in a huddle. It always looked to the sidelines from high school yep. on up. And then I had to start asking quarterbacks if you called plays in the middle because he couldn't spit it out. Yes. And it I, I might have happened 14 years into my career the first time that happened. Right. And right. I never even thought of a quarterback not knowing how to call a play in the huddle. Yes. It's, it, David, it's common. Like, how many times you watch games on Saturday where you, where you watch the quarterback, right? He picks his leg up, he mm-hmm. claps, and they look to the sideline, right? And you just tell me to check and – I just make a quick check the line of scrimmage. The center makes all the calls, yep. and then we just go. You know, where he's not doing that. He's pointing the mic out, and he's you know he's repointing the mic. If he doesn't like the protection if he feels like there's a weakness to a certain side, and you know based on that he knows where his hot is. They got hots built in. They have sight adjustments built in. So he'll he'll be as NFL ready as any guy in this in this draft. I, I truly believe that. I've seen them all. I've spent time with them all at the Manning camp. He can throw with anybody. Um, the moxie's there, the confidence is there. You know, I've always said the position comes down to three things, right? The three P's is what I always call them, right? So you have personnel, play caller, protection. It comes down to those three things really for us, right? If I have all three things, I'm going to be pretty successful as long as I do my job, right? God forbid I have great talent, right? (laughs) Three, I'm going to be, you know, you're going to see the 300-yard game. You're going to see a 150-yard game with two picks, you know. And obviously, one, one out of three or zero out of three, or, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, you, you, might, you might show some, some flashes, but you're never going to be a consistent guy. And um, listen, they've led the country in drops the last two years, Pitt. Yeah. You know, by far. Like, the next, the next, next team's like 30 drops behind them. I guess I'm close. 
And so it always seems to be like a third and seven or a red zone, like right when you need it the most. And um, they're not doing that this year. They're catching a rock, which is, I think you're seeing that in him. He's comfortable kind of throwing the one through five, you know, and, you know, sometimes, you know, people, people understand that, you know, people are human, you know, like if I don't trust three and four of my progression, I, I'm not throwing the ball. Right. You know, yep. two better get open, you know, and I'm going to hold the ball and stare at one and two. And if they don't get open, then I'm going to take off later. You know, so he, he generally, and I've had this conversation with him, he can go one through four, one through five, and he's good throwing a four or five. You know, he has confidence we're going to catch the ball and get up field and make a play. Mm-hmm. And, Tony, I, the one cool thing about Kenny is I remember his first start when he was a pre- – and, and sure. he's a New Jersey guy. I think he's from Oakhurst, yes. right, I think? Yep, Ocean Town. Uh, yeah, so I remember him in high school. I remember when he was coming out because I, st- I stay up to date with recruiting, especially in the state and all that type of stuff. And I remember when he was a freshman, I believe it was Danucci was the starting quarterback, got yes. hurt, right? And then he's yes. – and I remember that was the first thing that popped up. I was like, this dude's tough, man, wicked, yes. tough dude. Yes. Yes. But I could not believe we got the Blesto list this year, and he's listed at like six three and two eighths or something like that. I'm like, when yeah. did this kid get six yeah, yeah. three? Like, yeah. when did this happen, man? I couldn't believe it. I was like, this right. kid, I'm telling you, it, it's like um, the one thing I'll say about him. I, he's kind of my example for a lot of the high school kids that are really good that I work with right now. Yeah. He's always thought he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, even when he was five foot seven. You know, uh, <laughs> but not only did he believe that, but he worked like it. Yeah. He's he's one of the hardest I've ever had. And I've had some really hard work years, you know, and obviously some good players, but he is off the charts. And, um, I mean, you just look at that program. They, they love that kid. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Narduzzi loves that kid. Also, it's, yeah, it's, it's been neat to see the evolution. It's, it's you know, it's kind of like I was telling all the pit people when he was a sophomore how good he was going to be, and they're like, ah, I don't see what you're seeing, buddy. You know, we, we know you work with them, and you love them, and you're up with them, and <laughs> You know, you're emotionally, you're attached to him, and now it's fine. Like, now I get that. Oh my God, he's unbelievable. You're so right. You're so, and it, yeah, yeah. If you know him like I knew him, I'm not surprised one bit. Right, right. You know? So it's just if he can stay healthy, and they just keep catching the damn ball around him, um, which they've done the first two weeks. And obviously, you know, they're going to play some tougher teams than they've played already. But if he just continues to do what he's supposed to do, then yeah, there's no reason he can't be one of those. You know, QB one through five, hands down. Love it. And I know the last guy I wanted to talk, um, ask you about, and we really appreciate all the time, of course, sure. um, Anthony Brown, who yeah. Oregon quarterback, fresh off 35-28 upset, quote-unquote upset over Ohio right. State. It was a fantastic game, of course. I know he had a big-time game, uh, well over 200 yards passing. I know he had – I think he also had three total touchdowns, kind of like Kenny did. Um, he is a guy that's an interesting story. Remember the first time I watched him, he's a Boston College kid, obviously. You saw the flashes. You saw the big-time arm talent. You saw the athleticism. It's all there. Ends up at Oregon. Kind of has to, you know, wait for his turn last year behind Tyler Shuck for a little bit. Plays at the end of the season. Now he's a starting quarterback and off to a great start. And I know it's got to be fun for you, and I would love to comment on this, the, the resiliency of this kid to – fight for that job in Oregon to wait his turn, but now to take advantage of that opportunity, I would think that this kid has to have that incredible character to him on top of the talent, obviously, that he has. Uh, you know, I mean, you hit it right there. I mean, he's, he's, he's as tough mentally and physically as they come. Um, you know, it comes across as like, you know, he's like this um, very easygoing, smooth kid. You know, he loves Willie Beeman. That's like his guy. You know, Steven Willie Beeman, uh, love it. His, that's his. That's his guy. So uh, well, that's why he's thirteen. That's why he's worth thirteen. Exactly, love exactly, it. Right, love exactly it. Right. So um, 
you know, so that's he comes across that way, you know. And sometimes when 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 you come, when you meet guys, you're just like, he's he's too easy going. There's no way he's that competitive kid. He's a dog. Like he's as tough as they come. You know, he was a really good high school player out here. He actually grew up. I don't know, maybe 15 minutes from Kenny. I mean, they they're the same age. They knew they've known each other since they were like in middle school. So it's kind mm-hmm. of been neat to be with both of them as long as I've been with them, and obviously see both of them. You know, as you guys both know, it's not a straight line of success here. You know, so right. it's, you know, one started a little bit higher than the other one, and then they switched, and now they're kind of, you know. So Anthony, yeah, I mean, all, you know, you look at his Boston College career. I mean, it, they never had a great passing offense, but if you look at what he did, I mean, you know, he's kind of always been mentioned with you know Matt Ryan and the stuff he's done even early on. You know, um, and if he didn't get hurt, who knows what where he'd be? You know, um, just with the season-ending stuff. You know. And uh, I, I remember it was yesterday. He, he came home and it was right before he kind of committed to Oregon. He was kind of, what should I do? Where should I go? And everybody reached out to him because he is—he's that talented. You know, he's—he's six three. He's you know two twenty something. He's you know two twenty five, two twenty six. He fluctuates around there, but you know, he's got a big lower half. I mean, if you watch the game, he trucked a kid from Ohio State going up that sideline. You know, just—he's he, tough. He's physical. Um, he, he's a good runner. He's a really good athlete. Again, he'll test well. You know, when we start talking about NFL stuff. He's got a rocket of an arm. Like he's got elite first and second round grade arm strength. It, it's that good. Um, and again, I, I'm comparing him to, I, I mean, I've seen everybody throw it over the last 10 years in the NFL draft in person. I mean, really, Josh Allen's the only guy that, that I'm like, I, I, no one's ever going to throw a football like that again. Like that's how good Josh's arm was, you know, like in person. I mean, Anthony is, he could rip it and it's a smooth stroke and, and uh, it's effortless. It's pretty to watch. You know, he's got really good feet. Um, again, you talk about play callers. He's playing for Joe Moorhead, who I think the world of. He's a great play caller. You know, a little bit different obviously in Kenny, right? You're going to do some more RPO stuff and more college stuff. And obviously, with the, the um, you know, the, the signs on the sideline. And so, yeah, it's not the same kind of system, but he's going to make some NFL throws in that system. And it's, I think it's going to really highlight what he does well. He, he can run, he can throw. And, um, you know, he's smart, he's tough, he understands the game. He's, he's been through it all. He's a very mature kid. And uh, like I was saying before, I, you know, like before he committed to go to Oregon, I remember he came home and we threw one day and we just sat in the turf for like an hour. You know, sun was down. It was kind of just like, what are we doing here? Where, where are we going? What are we thinking? And he was just in such a good place where I would have probably, I was probably panicking more than he was, you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was probably maybe two or three, two or three weeks later, he just, I'm going to go to Oregon and I'm going to go do my thing. And, and again, like you said, I mean, he sat behind Tyler. Listen, Tyler's good. I mean, Tyler is Towers the camp this year. Tower was on my field uh, at the Manning camp. He's he's big and he could throw it. He could spin it. I mean, very impressive kid. And uh, didn't didn't flinch. Just just hung in there and waited obviously to the end and played those last two or three games really well. And then you know obviously beat him out and that's why Tower left. And you know obviously he started off hot. You know and again he's a guy that if he just if he just stays healthy, you know kind of puts a season together. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised again if we're talking you know high mid rounds. You know like he's because he can do everything. I mean, it's just he's he's like you were talking about before, Dave. Like with, with the new NFL, and then like, he kind of fits into what you want to do. You know, he's kind of like you know doesn't have to set his feet. He's got the arm angles, and he can kind of have his feet facing straight vertically and make throws to the outside parts of the field just by closing his shoulder and ripping it where guys need to step and throw it or have their feet aligned to make straight throws. He doesn't have to do that, right? That's rare. Like these yeah. days, that's rare because a lot yes. of guys, if it's not perfect, they ain't. They're they're pulling it and running. 
Correct. And and that's what I see a lot in in the new age quarterbacks. Not like the guy over my shoulder here, Johnny. You, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's the you know if the first option's not there, they just might pull it down and run it. Right. And that just doesn't survive in the NFL because that middle linebacker runs a four three and he's two sixty and he's going <laughs> to truck you. So yeah. you know what I mean. So yes. that that's one thing that I've I've struggled with in my evaluations of the last seven years or so is the size of the quarterbacks and how they don't always transfer up back to the NFL level because right. of, you know, their smaller slider frames and the NFL guys. I mean, they're all rare athletes up there. Yes. Well, I think, you know, like, like we were saying before, Ryan, like, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's another kid where like, yeah, realize when he went to, when he transferred to Oregon, it was the COVID year. Right. So he didn't really spend any time with anybody. And also they just kind of jumped into the season so Escher was kind of he was kind of learning on the run, and then obviously you know he's two games into this year. So I think you're only going to see him get better as the season goes on, and his timing better, and, and uh, you know his decisions, all those things. You know, I you know he's probably around a little over fifty percent completion percentage wise, and that's. I mean, Joe's going to take some shots, obviously, in his in his offense. So you're not going to see seventy five percent completion percentage a lot of times, but mm-hmm. I think you're going to see the other stuff just become more consistent because he's just you know he's just going to rep it more. He's going to get better at it. Love it. Again, joined by Tony Rassiobi, quarterback coach, NFL prep quarterback coach, working alongside Test Football Academy, which is a fantastic place. I would definitely recommend anybody who haven't been to Test. Always enjoy my time there from the combine prep to just the, you know, the people that work there. So, Tony, appreciate this, man. I know we kept you a little longer than anticipated, but this is oh. a fantastic conversation, brother. I really do appreciate yeah, listen, you joining thanks, us. Thanks, guys, for having me, man. I, you know, we can do this all day, right? So, it's Oh, I could sit and talk ball with you all day. I've had yeah. to hold my tongue yeah. a few times because <laughs> I know <laughs> we're, on a, we're on a time limit. Yes. All right, guys. Listen, I appreciate you having me, all right? Yep, absolutely, Tony. Take care, man. You too. Take care. Thanks, Tony. That, that literally was a conversation that I could have just kept having, but then I saw that we're over an hour already. So kind of when we got up to like 56 minutes, I'm like, stop, stop yourself, stop yourself. <laughs> like, cause I, I wanted to ask him like, you know, for me again, footwork is always important. You, you, you yeah, and I taught a class last year in every position I start with footwork and quarterback yeah. footwork is terrible. And like a guy like Cam Newton, I wanted to ask him, and I did, and I'm going to say now, I want to ask him like a guy like Cam Newton, how would you fix him? Because to me, it's his footwork that hurts Cam the most because his arm strength dissipating. But if he were to fix his balance and his what Tony was talking about, Cam might yeah. have a reassurance of uh, of what he could do. So you know, it's it, it's it was fascinating, and I, I hope we have him back on again um, and talk more ball with him because I like you said I could have talked all night with him about quarterback and play and all that stuff, and we didn't even get into schemes, which is you know again something I was going to talk to him about. Yep. But again, we, we have a time limit. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get him on. He has a few guys in next year's NFL draft. So when the prep side comes to, I mean, because I, again, I could talk to him all day because not only do we have the NFL draft side with him with the, you know, his, his prep in that department, he's also a coach. And that's where I geek out about yeah. a little bit. So appreciate Tony for hopping on. Appreciate Teddy Gallagher, linebacker out of Coastal Carolina for popping on. We had some great guests in this episode. Kind of want to end us off here. We always do our final shots. I'm going to let David Turner go first tonight. Before I do, I just want to let you know that you should like, share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts specifically, please give us a nice review. We would genuinely appreciate it. David Turner, what do you want to end this fantastic podcast with? You know, I I just want to end this podcast with thank you to everybody who signs in, joins in, gives us our reviews. 
downloads us each week because without you, it doesn't make sense for us to keep doing that. Even though Ryan and I enjoy the hell out of this show, without you guys supporting us, it makes no sense. But thank you all very much for doing that. And honestly, thank you to the guests tonight. They were fantastic. It was so much fun. Anytime I could spend an hour with Ryan and laughing and having fun with football, it's the highlight of my week. So Great conversation, to say the least. I would also like to thank David Turner, and I want to thank anybody out there. Make sure to check out MaverickSportsConsulting.com as well for all your needs. Appreciate you all. We'll be back same time, same place, Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern time next week. Hope you all have a fantastic week of football. 5.30 Pacific As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.